So there they are, locked in a room because they're too afraid of what's going on outside. Maybe some of them inside want to go out and see what's going to happen. Do they dare open the door and expose themselves to what's out there, or do they lock the doors and stay hidden inside? I'm not talking about your neighbors right now, or, or maybe you. Our text today begins with this scene, and it's not us in the year 2020 dealing with the pandemic, but a group of 11 guys who followed Jesus and are now wondering, what now? What now, Jesus? A week after Easter, is it possible things could be better? Oh, remember Easter? Now, only a week ago, you see, we celebrated the most important day in all human history, the day that separated Jesus Christ apart from every other person and religious figure ever. The day of the resurrection where death and Satan were defeated. The resurrection. Now, they killed the guy who never sinned, who healed the sick, who gave sight to the blind, who exercised demons, who performed miracles. He raised the dead. He lifted up the poor and the lowly. The guy who said at the beginning of his ministry, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He was quoting Isaiah because he had anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The one everyone hoped would change things for the better was killed. But then Easter, remember? The empty tomb. God's gotcha moment that caught everyone off guard because nobody expected Jesus to rise from the dead. Easter, only a week ago, Easter, God wins, the devil loses, life over death, heaven bested hell, the tomb is empty, Easter. So we celebrate, remember that? We eat, we remember, we look forward to better days. We love Easter. We're called Christians because of Easter Sunday. But here we are, one week later, and you know what? Things kind of feel the same as they did before Easter, don't they? Our text today get, begins, I'm going to read out of the gospel according to John. Our text today begins with 11 scared guys in a room who followed Jesus and are now wondering, what now? Hear now the word of the Lord to you and to me. This is from the gospel according to John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. 
But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, just before this, Mary Magdalene runs to the disciples and tells them that she's seen the Lord. We have an empty tomb and the disciples are locked in a room together out of fear. And in that scene, in that room of fear, Jesus appears. Jesus 2.0 just appears and he says, peace be with you. Now, if you read the text carefully, do the disciples jump up and celebrate? Do they rush Jesus with hugs and praise? Jesus says, peace be with you, and it's silent. These guys are afraid, remember. Now, nobody is expecting Jesus to be standing here, among us, locked behind this door. And the reason that we're locked behind this door is because the same people who killed Jesus are still in power. The same soldiers who mocked and crucified Jesus are still on their shift the people who cried for his death are still gloating. The poor people are still poor. The unjust are still taking advantage of the weak. Jesus came and went, and life after the cross kind of feels a lot like life before the cross, as we're locked away because we're scared. And that guy who just walked through this door or walked through that wall or just appeared looks an awful lot like Jesus. Jesus who spoke about judgment, who said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. The Jesus that all the disciples let down by falling asleep when he asked them to pray for him in the garden during his anguish before his crucifixion. The Jesus that was abandoned at his rest and his trial. The Jesus that Peter denied three times. Now I bet when Jesus appeared, they all looked at Peter. Ooh, Peter. And you know Peter was probably thinking, he's back. There he is. Among us. Proclaiming peace. Shalom. Boring. Let me tell you how Jesus should have appeared. How about this for a return? First, he should have gone to Caiaphas's house in the middle of the night. Then he should have walked through the walls at, at Pilate's house to give him a good scare. And then so that everyone in the kingdom would know it, he appears before Caesar. Then he needs to pop into everyone's home who mocked him, who spat at him, pay a little how you like me now visit to everyone who doubted him. 
But Jesus didn't do that. Now, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then, our text says, then the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. You see, the, the disciples, they had to see his wounds because only Jesus, who had taken our sins to the cross, only Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus, God in the flesh, could have appeared to them alive and in the flesh after his death. It took, it, it took his wounds for them to see him. That only the resurrected Jesus dare break into their fear and their mess dare break into our fear and our mess. Only the resurrected Jesus dare proclaim peace when life still stings. Jesus had been through the worst, had conquered death. So only Jesus can proclaim shalom to a bunch of fearful followers. But then he wasn't done. This is why I think Jesus shows up to a bunch of scared disciples instead of taking his how you like me now tour this is what jesus does next listen again jesus says peace be with you as the father has sent me i am sending you and with that he breathed on them receive the holy spirit he said you see jesus came into their fear to proclaim peace he broke into their fear and their mess to commission. He broke into their fear to give life. Jesus, you see, didn't return to embarrass, but to empower. He didn't return to ridicule. He returned to redeem. He didn't return to chastise, but to change, not to belittle them for their lack of fear, for their lack of faith and their fear but to breathe on them and make them new. You see, when God, when God breathes into people, life happens. God breathed into Adam's nostrils and brought Adam to life. The valley of the dry bones in Ezekiel 37 is, is just a bunch of bones and muscles until God puts his breath in them and then they come alive. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit arrives as a violent wind. It's breath from God, you see. And all of this in the midst of their fear and the reality that life outside those doors is incredibly cruel and unfair. And because they are in the presence of Jesus and have received the Holy Spirit, with peace they can go into that incredibly cruel and unfair world to be peace proclaimers themselves. And then the attention turns to Thomas. Thomas wasn't there the first time that Jesus appeared to the disciples. And, and when Thomas heard the news that Jesus is alive, Thomas at first didn't believe it. Now, we know Thomas as doubting Thomas, but I think that's kind of unfair to call him that. Let's see if this resonates with any one of us. How, how about, I don't want to get my hopes dashed again, Thomas. How about if it's too good to be true, it probably is Thomas. It's important to note that our text shows us that Jesus didn't have a problem with Thomas. In fact, Jesus, unfazed by his uncertainty and doubt, sought Thomas out to offer proof so Thomas could, could see, so Thomas would stop doubting and believe. Jesus approaches Thomas. 
Then when, when Thomas saw the wounds on Jesus' body like the disciples a week earlier, Thomas believed. Isaiah 53, 5 proclaims this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Did you hear that? The punishment that brought us peace was on him, was on the Prince of Peace. And only Jesus carries the wounds that bring about our healing. Only Jesus, real, in the flesh, appearing in our fear and our uncertainty. Tactile Jesus, not a metaphor or an ideal or a philosophy or just a religious figure but the resurrected Jesus in person with his wounds. Only that Jesus can dare say to scared people in an uncertain world, peace be with you. Only that Jesus, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, only that Jesus, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, that Jesus who was crucified, died, and was buried, that Jesus who descended into hell and on the third day rose again from the dead, only that Jesus who's been to hell and back and has the wounds to prove it, only that Jesus can dare say to his followers who will now never experience hell, peace be with you. So what does this mean for us? What are the implications of this? Listen, there there is no substitute. There is no equal. There is no replacing the presence of Jesus Christ. The Prince of Peace. The Proclaimer. The Bringer. The Heralder of Shalom. God's intended way of order. Only through Jesus Christ do we find that. Now, We're a week after Easter, and things kind of feel the same, don't they? So are you struggling with this peace? Are you struggling to believe? Do you find yourself afraid? Do you read this text? Do you resonate with the disciples who are locked inside? Do you resonate with Thomas who who are struggling? We're all struggling to make sense of what's going on. We all have our tough days. We're all trying to make the best of it. It's okay. I didn't, I didn't think I'd ever become a televangelist, but here I am. Look, if you're struggling, that's okay. God can handle your doubt and your disbelief. God welcomes, God pursues those who struggle. God breaks into our struggle. So if... if If you find yourself struggling, my pastoral advice to you is this. Be near Jesus. Read God's love letter to us. Spend time in prayer and in scripture. You know you have time to do this right now. Take time to be in the presence of God. James 4.8 says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Be near so that you can believe and that by believing you may have life in his name And no matter what the circumstances are, you can be at peace even in these times. But it takes the full presence of Jesus Christ. And we know through this text that Jesus breaks in and proclaims 
peace. Next, let's, let's look at his wounds. Jesus' wounds, they mean something. Let's be clear on this. The resurrected Jesus is not a metaphor. The wounds of Christ are recorded so that we may believe. His wounds show us that Jesus has been through the worst of it and he is still with us. He's been through the worst of it and still offers us peace through his presence. So the question we, we wrestle with today, the question I'm going to leave you with is this. Will you let the circumstances of this world hold you in fear? Or will you receive his peace in the midst of that fear, in the midst of that uncertainty? And will you live and rejoice in the peace that Jesus Christ offers? Let's not forget that Jesus breathes on his disciples. He breathes on them. He gives them life. He gives them a new identity in the mess and pain. He changes them, you see, from disciples now to apostles. He gives them a new beginning in the mess and pain, a new calling in the mess and pain, a new reality in the mess and pain. Come on. Friends, these words are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Amen. Let's join now in a word of prayer. Lord, we pray that you give us eyes to see, you give us ears to hear, you give us a heart to receive you fully. So Jesus, in these uncertain times, may we seek you. May we see, Lord, that your presence is near. Change us, God. Lord, we thank you that in uncertainty and fear, you break in. And in that, God, you proclaim peace. But it's only through your Son, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we thank you. Forgive us for those times when we let the circumstances of what's going on overwhelm us. Lord, draw us back today, back to you the source of all peace. And in you, Father, we have hope that even now we can proclaim peace. Even now we can proclaim that the best is yet to come. So Lord, for those who are struggling right now, open their eyes so that they can see you. For those who are in pain right now, Lord, draw them near. Lord, for those who just don't know how they're going to make it through tomorrow, Father, draw them close and proclaim peace into their lives. Lord, we are not promised ever through Scripture that you take away whatever pain is there, but we are promised that you walk through that pain with us. So we know, God, there is no pain or uncertainty that we can feel that you can't conquer, that you haven't already conquered. So Lord, let us see you right now standing in our midst. Holy Spirit, Breathe something new into us today. Strengthen your church even during this time, God. May your ministry continue to expand. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that you came to us to proclaim peace, even now, peace. Only the resurrected Jesus can do that. So we thank you, Father. We pray these things 
In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. Friends, we want to thank you for your generosity during this time. When we give, uh, whether that's online or by mailing in a check, uh, ministry happens. And where ministry happens, the gospel is proclaimed. And where the gospel is proclaimed and received, lives change. So we want to encourage you, all of us, uh, to continue giving, especially now during this time. Um, you can mail in your, your tithes to the church office. You can give electronically uh, through the website. You can text L Grace Give to 77977 and you'll be prompted to uh, give electronically that way. Or you can give through the Lakewood Grace app. But we want to thank you for your generosity, friends. Ministry is happening and we're trying to uh, minister and proclaim the gospel in, in the best ways we can during this time. So when the church receives an offering, ministry happens. And so we thank you for considering what you will give this week. Friends, uh, thank you for joining us today. We want to have you tune in next week. We're going to start a new series called Foundations, uh, and we're going to be going through the Ten Commandments. So uh, we're really looking forward to that, and so we want to see you tune in next Sunday. Friends, until then, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you and smile and give you peace now and forevermore. And all of God's people said, amen.